Hi, this is Melora Harden from The Office. You're listening to That's What She, That's what she Said podcast. <laughs> That's What She Said, episode 101, Sex Ed. Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling, so... That's what she said! <laughs> Suicide doors on my 57 Chevy Roll around town like a hero I got you on my mind Just like all the time Pedal down, nowhere to go And welcome to episode 101 of That's What She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award-winning NBC show, The Office. As always, I'm your human resources coordinator, Matt Summer, and this week we're going to be taking an in-depth and spoiler-filled look at the fourth episode of season seven, entitled Sex Ed, which originally aired Thursday, October 14th, 2010. Give it a rest, pencil dick. When Michael learns he has herpes, or maybe just a cold sore... Dwight guilts him into taking a trip down sexual memory lane. Why? Revenge, of course. And maybe some personal growth if there's time. Meanwhile, Andy tries to impress Aaron by teaching a sex ed seminar in the conference room. It goes about as well as can be expected. Angry? You won't like him when he's angry. Andy Smash! At least Daryl's there to pick up the pieces. Lots to discuss, lots to talk about. Let's head on over to the water cooler. It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water cooler gossip than through official memos, which puts me at a disadvantage, because I bring my own water to work. Why'd you do this? I didn't do it. Oh, the water cooler was brought over here for maintenance. So what do you guys hear? What's the scuttlebutt? Ladies and gentlemen, he had no arms or legs. He couldn't see hear or speak. This is how he co-hosted a podcast. Kevin Crossman. Kevin, how you doing? Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> Come on, that was Michael's big tagline to his own made-up movie that he cried about. Oh, Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, now I'm just here for the post-mortem, that's it. Yeah, not one of the highlight lines for you, apparently. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Whoa, well, we've been going off to a roaring start here in season seven. We've liked three episodes in a row, and here we come up with number four. We talked last week about how we were a little bit nervous, how this seemed like it could be a really broad, kind of silly episode, Michael and his big gaucho mustache. Um, so I don't know, Kevin, let me just throw that out there to you before we get into it. Uh, did we have a four-peat, or is the streak broken? Well, I, I could say that the episode was unbelievable, or maybe that it was amazing, but I think I will cop a line from David Spade and say, I liked this episode the first time I saw it, when it was called Office Olympics. <laughs> really? Now, why would you compare it to Office Olympics? Just basically the, the structure? Of yeah, the... Dwight, Dwight and Michael are off doing something all by themselves, and the rest of the office doing some sort of crazy hijinks. Yeah, I mean, it was more of a mishmash of, I guess, Office Olympics, but the stuff that they were doing in the office wasn't as fun or as interesting as Office Olympics. It was more well, sort of like a mashup of every bad Michael conference room meeting. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I liked it better the first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, very few episodes, obviously, can compare to such a classic, so maybe you're no. holding it to a little bit high of a standard. Right. The one thing I will say about this episode is that it was 
it was a lot more interesting than I was expecting it to be, especially in light of the season story arc that we expect from Michael Scott. Right. I thought it was going to be very, very jokey, and we certainly had plenty of that in the episode. But at the same point, I think that there was enough uh, meat here that will, or you know, maybe seeds that are planted for later in the season that are actually you know fairly reasonable for a payoff with Holly. Uh, later on, and in that respect, it was actually pretty moving. Yeah. I give it credit for that. We've talked before in the past about how some episodes are kind of like the laughers, and then there are other ones that are the plot movers. And this definitely felt to me like a plot mover. It wasn't uh, a big laugh episode, actually. Very a lot of little kind of small laughs yep. to be found. Not not a not one. <laughs> Probably not one of your picks for the biggest, wildest, craziest, most hilarious moments of the show. Some of the actual, obviously intended, jokey moments didn't work for me at all. For example, I know that I get some feedback that some people thought this was hilarious, but when Michael Scott goes into the little park and he thinks the old granny is Helene, (laughs) that is the stupidest, seriously, the stupidest, stupidest thing. To think that after five months or something that he somehow wouldn't recognize her that uh, that he thinks that she's his old eighty five year old grandma in in the park. I don't know. I thought that was a little over over the top. It was a bit of a stretch. I I, I thought it was funny enough. I mean, it, I mean, for talking about funny moments, that was probably in my top five or ten, maybe of a admittedly weak episode. I mean, really, the the only sort of laugh out loud funny moment for me was the whole scene with Oscar <laughs> at the end, and they were naming off all those uh, gay you know, places that he would be hanging out. And yeah. it was kind of, kind of interesting in, in light of the controversy for uh, Vince Vaughn's new movie where, you know, in the trailer he says electric cars are gay, that they have the line uh, in this episode that was filmed, you know, whatever, <laughs> months ago, you know, places that gay people would be hanging out and he said electric car dealership. So that was kind of interesting. <laughs> kind of ironic given that, you know, Glad comes down on a line that says something is gay in the sort of like it, it's lame use, whereas lines like this, which are obviously making fun of directly of homosexuals, of course, to get a pass. Well, so. no, see, I, I, I totally disagree. This isn't, this line isn't making fun of homosexuals. It's just showing how stupid that Michael and Dwight are. In fact, it's kind of funny that Michael, all of Michael's gay places he lists are sort of like these romantic kind of things like the flower shop or the fireworks display. And all the right. things that Dwight says are like glory holes or <laughs> right. the dirty rest stop on Highway 50 <laughs> or whatever. So, I mean, it's two different examples of ignorance there. So I think there, it is a totally different situation because we as the viewer are supposed to sit there and think wow those guys are idiots oscar of course thinking that they're idiots and just wanting to get himself out of here although technically you know you can get herpes from kissing so i it's not quite that uh maybe (laughs) far-fetched as uh, as they might want you to believe but let's go back a little bit and kind of start from the beginning and sort of talk about the structure of the episode i mean it was a little corny the whole cold sore thing um, I think for me the reason maybe why I didn't like that device as much is because I just recently started watching the uh, the show Bored to Death. I don't know if you've ever seen that before, Kevin. I have not. Well, it's one of the you know it's a, it's a Sunday night HBO comedy with uh, Jason Schwartzman, um, Zach Galifianakis, and Ted Danson. And uh, in the first season, actually, Ted Danson's character in one of the plot devices had a big giant cold sore. 
on his lip in pretty much exactly the same place as uh, as Michael did here. So it was it, it came off to me as being overused, but uh, that's just my own fault, I guess, for watching the uh, <laughs> the series so recently. Although that episode aired quite a while back, I can understand the purpose of it as a device to get Michael to go back and look at these other women in his life. I guess you figure, well, why would a man contact all of his past girlfriends? Uh, well, if he's stupid for one thing and for another thing, if he thinks he has a sexually transmitted disease. So I suppose it worked its job. That was the whole point. Uh, right. the, the point was to set it up here to talk uh, and get Holly to explain that what they had wasn't real right from the beginning. And so Michael's off to the races to talk to every other woman that we've ever seen him with on the show. Um, unfortunately... <laughs> There was a deleted scene, actually, where he calls up Concierge Marie from uh, from Canada. And I, I really wish that they would have kept that in the episode, since we are talking about all of Michael's women. That uh, it, it was a small dalliance, but still, it seemed a little out of place to not have that put in the show. Not not one of his regular girlfriends of you know, multiple uh, episodes, so I guess it's easy enough to drop her. Yeah, I mean, that's true, but as long as they're going for the whole gamut of his women... It would have been a nice inclusion. Besides, you know what they say about those women from Canada, Kevin. You, you never know what you're going to catch up there. <laughs> See? <laughs> but, well. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I, I enjoyed this plot line. And it's kind of weird, again, that we're getting a lot of this growth, sort of, or, or at least self-examination coming out of Michael. Uh, last yep. week during Andy's play, he learned his lesson and, you know, kind of grew as a person and got over his, his issues. And here again, we have sort of at the end that he realizes that all these women he went out with were, what do you say, a freak show? <laughs> yep, yep. And he has no idea why he ever went out with them. And, uh, but, but the thing with Holly is real, so we hit that home once again. Definitely seems like they're throwing up all kinds of issues here, like I mentioned in previous episodes that she's still going out with that same guy, AJ. Uh, she has nothing to say. You know, it's over. It was a couple of weeks. That was all it ever was. So they're really putting it on pretty thick. I guess if uh, somehow they're going to end up together, it's going to take some, take some doings. Certainly. But you also got a, just a great glimpse of their chemistry still, her weird sense of humor with the, uh, the truck beep phone <laughs> message thing. That was kind of funny. So, I mean, they're doing their job to remind people why they, that these two characters do have something that's different from these other women in Michael's life. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they did have a nice little bit of chemistry there, and they joked around and stuff. And the, uh, <laughs> were there any nuns <laughs> aboard? Were they in the missionary position? You know, yep. Michael's stupid, typical humor that she still gets a kick out of. Um, so, we, so we kind of talked about the Helene thing. We talked about the Holly thing a little bit. Let's let's talk about the one thing that really kind of stuck in my craw, Kevin, and it is the return of Jan Levinson. Now, mm-hmm. last seen way back in Baby Shower in Season 5, and here's our first chance then to see her. She is, at first glance, very back to being professional, back to being a boss, you know, everything kind of the way that we would have expected her to be, and yet, and yet... What do we have? We don't have Jan Levinson. We have Melora Hardin sings the blues. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, one wonders if that's in her contract that she has to be, you know, contractually obligated to sing in an episode. Well, it since has we to know be. that she has the she has the burgeoning singing career and and she appeared on Broadway and whatnot. I mean, the, the funny thing about it was, it, I was so glad to see her, you know, business Jan back. But then we quickly got some glimpses into weirdo Jan mm-hmm. with the bacon in the pan and that whole thing, and she kind of went off a little bit, and then. She was singing that weird ass song to Astrid, and uh, you mean although it was Astrid, yeah, although it did, although it did pay off with a nice joke where you know Michael stops the song by saying "I have herpes," but yeah, yeah, but again, I think the whole idea was just to show how crazy weird even Jan is, even though she's kind of got her mojo back, so to speak. I mean, I see that. I, I know that somebody pointed out to me in the chat room that. Well, you know, she sang during baby shower, which is true. So I guess theoretically it is in character. But to me, it's just not in character. It struck me as very weird because that's just, I mean, it's like the actor bleeding into the character. I know that's that's fine uh, if that's the way the character is written and how it starts. Uh, I just, I guess I just kept wishing for regular old season one through three or even one through four Jan there right, with uh, no right. crazy ass crooning and stuff. And um, did it bother you at all that we had the magical growing baby syndrome here? You know, a lot of people were pointing that out. That didn't strike me as a as complete, just obvious, you know, way too old for her supposed age. It didn't strike me that way. I mean, I, I haven't done the math. I mean, see, it was from, you know, season five, so... Pretty much, she should be around two and a half. Yeah, it, it shouldn't strike me as like completely out of there. But then again, maybe wow. I was just sort of shielding my ears and my. She asked her how time. school was that day, so. Uh, oh, I assumed it was preschool. Well, wow. that's like five, isn't it? Four. <laughs> well, it could be. You could have a three-year-old. Well, let's not let's not get into that nitpicking too much. But that to me has always been one of those sitcom cliches where the, they have the baby and then instantly it's a toddler. Uh, the next season. So I guess I was a little disappointed to see uh, The Office succumbing to such an obvious trick, but it's a minor point, I guess. You know, I I guess I've sort of been complaining and bitching about this for a while. I I do want to say that this was a decent episode to me. I didn't like it as much on Thursday viewing, but after watching it several more times today, I have grown to appreciate it. However, as I said, uh, definitely one of those plot-heavy episodes that I never quite really know what to do with because it didn't really make me laugh all that much yet. It's still developing important plot threads that will pay off later in the season. So there's the Michael plotline. Let's talk about, though, what we haven't talked about here, the uh, Andy plotline. And I guess it's kind kind of funny. I don't know if they intended this or not, but the title of the episode, of course, Kevin, Sex Ed. And here we have Ed talking about sex. Uh huh. Okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's stretch for some connections here. Okay. Well, the funny thing about this plotline, you know, we can talk about the Andy and should he still be pining for Aaron thing, but we had two characters in this plotline that acted very differently than they had in the past couple of weeks. First of all, we had Angela back to being prim and proper and, you know, turned off by <laughs> sex on a number of occasions. Meanwhile, the previous week, she's, you know, pulling up the push-up bra and the tight jeans to get Dwight interested in going after her. 
Yeah. And then we also had Gabe just, first of all, very heavy with the public display of affection in the conference room there. Did you notice that? <laughs> I thought that was kind of risky in a way. I mean, even Jim and Pam weren't sitting next to each other. But then we had at the end him just laying the hurt down on Andy saying this has got to stop. And he was very firm in a way that we haven't seen him be firm recently, uh, you know, wimping out to Pam and, and all these other things. So, you know, <laughs> it's like, well, what does, the character, what does the character need to be? Yeah, firm. Um, <laughs> what does the character need to be this week? Then they can go to that. But we've got some good jokes at Meredith's expense, and she's got the herpes on her genitals, <laughs> <Yeah>. dummy. <laughs> uh, you have a penis? Uh... <laughs> Yeah, Kev, good old Kevin there with uh, another classic line. The you know the thing with that is though that Gabe was you know, we found some more information out about this now as far as what happened here that he actually went through the channels, asked right. Andy's permission. Andy, like an idiot, gave him permission to go out with Aaron. So he's <laughs> uh, he's you know he's kind of right to be upset, and I think it was kind of interesting there that when he said that whole thing about how we'll sweep this under the rug. You know, it's kind of like, okay, what is he talking about? Is he talking about the anger outburst that he'll sweep under the rug uh, if Andy cools it with Aaron? Or is he just kind of talking about uh, something just between the two of them? Or what sort of exactly is he talking about? But yeah, even so, uh, and we talked before about the fact that are we rooting for Andy over Gabe? Is Gabe the dick? Is this... Was this the episode where they wanted us to feel like Gabe was the dick and we were rooting for Andy to get back on top? But at the same point, as he explained, he did do the right thing and Andy gave him permission, so knock the hell off. Yeah, yeah true. And so. I, what is it? I remember explicitly because it just seems so strange or yeah. whatever. It was so <laughs> weird. Such a weird, <laughs> such a weird way. So. Yeah, so I mean, it's an interesting thing. I guess we got that kind of shut down. Andy crying to Daryl, Daryl pumping him up again, so not going to stop. I, as I said before, I'm hoping that they will resolve this before Christmas, at least. I don't think that this can... St- I can't stand to go another 15, 16 episodes of Andy trying to win over Aaron. In fact, some of the people, some of the comments that we saw, people kind of saying, well, yeah, maybe he should just stop. Now, maybe you should just move on. Maybe you should just let the two of them alone and and uh, maybe go on to greener pastures or something. Exactly. However, yep. I, I feel that they won't. <laughs> they won't do that, at least uh, for a little while longer. What would you think of that cold open there, Matt? Well, you know, uh, again, here we are back again with sort of the cold open that really doesn't have anything to do with the episode it was okay. I mean, the idea of Dwight going to pick up the migrant workers, <laughs> and then the one guy, you know, no, oh, they never come back. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Uh, the, the, you know, the Nate guy coming up there, the two of them having their conversation in fake Spanish. <laughs> oh, you speak English? Oh, yeah, I'm really good at English. Oh, me too. Come on. Get in. Um, I, I kind of like that guy, sort of. I don't mind that guy. If that's going to be a new character as Dwight's wacky handyman, it's kind of interesting, the whole thing with, I've given him like the four or five tools and we'll see what he does. <laughs> I mean, I don't know exactly what I thought about that. It didn't, didn't make me slap my knee, but I, I do want to talk about that guy just a little bit because I wasn't aware of this at the time and you weren't aware of it and I'm not sure a lot of people were because even on the Wikipedia page, nobody mentioned this, but that guy uh, playing the assistant there, Nate, was actually a guy by the name of Mark Proch, 
of uh, Milwaukee in my neck of the woods, actually. And uh, you might know this guy better by the name of Kenny Strasser or K Strass. He gained internet fame back earlier this year by kind of punking a bunch of TV morning shows, about five or six different ones, by claiming to be a yo-yo master. And uh, once they booked him on their shows, he could do absolutely no yo-yo tricks. Um, <laughs> he just started kind of talking all these sort of dark things about how, you know, where, where'd you learn to love the yo-yo? And he'd just kind of go off on these weird tangents about how, you know, he was divorced and his parents were divorced and it was a dark, dark time for him and all these kind of weird things. So, def- uh, you know, a piece of sort of Andy Kaufman-esque kind of performance art I guess, and uh, apparently you make a crazy YouTube video, Kevin, and uh, it's a stepping stone to being on The Office. Apparently so. Well, we will see. Maybe they can do something better with this character next time, because I frankly thought that cold open was just plain weird, (laughs) and even more importantly, not very funny. Oh, man. Very ridiculous with all the different... I mean, very consistent with Dwight, but this is the kind of crap that I hate they, the hate that they do with Dwight sometimes is these <laughs> stupid tests, right? You know, a blowtorch yeah. and a baseball bat and a crossbow. Does he <laughs> choose the right one? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It was okay. I, the, the the weird thing about how Dwight was like the serial killer of migrant laborers was, I, if, if anything, that was the thing that was maybe a little over the top. Kind of amusing, though, his, uh, his big plan. I, I heard that's how you landscaped your yard, actually, Kevin, by... Having a fake INS agent come and chase the migrant workers away at the end of the day without paying them. So, I don't know. That was kind of a... I, I bought that as sort of as a Dwight uh, strategy. But, yeah. Um, we'll see. And apparently, this guy is going to appear in several other episodes. At least according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I guess Dwight needs somebody. You know, maybe his you know, his second in command if he's going to do some more of these wacky building manager sort of things. You can't have Moe's always creeping around. So, right. I don't know. I kind of like that guy. I thought his banter, like I said, when they were going back and forth, you know, Donde are you from? <laughs> um, Scranton. And before that, La Philadelphia. I don't know. I thought that stuff was kind of funny, and I thought he had kind of a good chemistry. Let's talk about the credits for this episode. It was written and directed by Paul Lieberstein. Of course, we didn't see Toby this episode because Paul Lieberstein was so busy writing and directing. <laughs> he's a triple uh, threat. Yeah, he's uh, except, except only a double threat this week. <laughs> uh, he's written nine episodes, including Gossip and Company Picnic and Stress Relief and Goodbye Toby, and has directed five episodes, including Whistleblower, Gossip, Two Weeks, and Money. Well, let's go ahead and dive into the uh, Michael plotline here. It kind of broke this down. It seemed pretty obvious to me that there really was only two plotlines, as you said. Uh, Michael and Dwight, of course, and then Andy and the rest of the office. And uh, before we get into the Michael plotline a little bit, let me just say one more time what I said last week, Kevin. Um, I swear to God, it sure seems like Ed Helms is in training to take over for Michael. You know, let's let's have a couple episodes where he's doing the office thing before we make that assertion. <laughs> well, if you look at some of the plot, I mean, here we have Andy calling a, a meeting in the conference room. It's total Michael territory. Next week, looking at the plot clip, and we'll get into that in a second. We talk about it later on. But in the, you know, Andy is listed as being the big second plot next week as well. Um, he's featured prominently so far in pretty much every B plot, I think, this season. So he's, I don't know, man. I'm putting my money on, on uh, Andy 
unless they throw some crazy curveball. Obviously, we still have a lot of a lot of time left, but they sure seem like they're going to him a lot. In fact, where was Jim and Pam this entire episode? Well, yeah, you can't you can't say that they uh, were overutilized. That's for <laughs> sure. But yeah. I think Pam I, I, had one line, the talking head, and then Jim had one scene in the deleted scenes that actually made no sense. Yes. Whatsoever. So they had a couple. They had a couple lines in the uh, conference room that you know it was not a mistake. It was a surprise. It was yeah. Pretty funny. But I don't know. I, it'd be hard to justify Andy being promoted above Jim and Dwight. Jim's not going to do it because they already had that failed plot line, and I don't know Dwight. I just can't see his character being in charge. Actually, Andy's character seems the most sort of bumbling and just like exactly what we saw. In the conference room, I mean, I can't think of any better example of that. That's totally a Michael-esque sort of maneuver that he pulled off here with the same kind of Michael results. I suppose. All right, so <laughs> we'll just put that theory on the back burner. I guess we'll, we'll wait and have to see at the end of the season. But as I said, let's go ahead and get into the Michael plotline. And as we talked about, Michael comes in in the morning wearing this big crazy mustache, and Aaron, of course, finds it delightful. Uh, Michael has this weird talking head about, you know, oh, all kinds of people would wear wacky mustaches, you know, and you can, mm-hmm. think, you can think of only two reasons. <laughs> uh, and uh, then, unfortunately, as he's drinking coffee from his world's best boss, uh, mo- from his world's greatest boss mug, he uh, lets the mustache slip and uh, Phyllis is slightly disgusted. <sighs> It's a pimple, Phyllis. Avril Lavigne gets them all the time, and she rocks harder than anyone alive. Uh, that's no pimple, Michael. You mean cancer? What? No way. No, definitely not. Not cancer. It's just good to catch a Michael train of thought early before it derails and destroys the entire town. It's just a cold sore. It is? Yep. Thank you, Phyllis. I don't have acne. I have a cold sore. I didn't even have a cold. I don't know how I got it. I know how you got it. How? Michael, come on. A cold sore is herpes. What? What you should do, Michael, is have a doctor take a look at it, because we don't really know what that is. I know tons and tons of people who have herpes. I have it myself. That's what it is. I've never seen a herpes on you. Because it's on my genitals, genius. You have a penis? (laughs) So there's our classic Kevin line, as we said before, and there's Pam's one contribution (laughs) to the plot line. You think that maybe she could have derailed that Michael thought train uh, about the whole herpes thing? Truth be told, herpes is a lot more plausible in that context, <laughs> isn't it? So Yeah, I suppose. Now, Kevin, have you ever been uh, someone that has had a cold sore? Uh, not on the outside of my lip like that. <laughs> well, I, uh, so on your genitals then? Is that what we're saying? No. Well, I haven't had any cold sores either, but I, I, I have known a few people that do. So it's, it's kind of weird. I'm not sh- you know, I, I tried to do a little research on it, and I guess it is, like you said, a type of herpes simplex one that is around the mouth there but uh, i don't know it seems kind of strange i guess that uh, that such a thing could be caught so easily but there you go michael shared a soda or uh, kissed someone that he shouldn't have you know oscar behind the truck stops and all that stuff (laughs) (laughs) or or it's just ingrown hair yeah i love how they threw that in there in like minute 25 or something (laughs) That Dwight sort of finally thinks maybe that that's what it could be. So, yeah, as as we see there, Michael told to go to the doctor, doesn't go to the doctor, takes Meredith's advice. I guess if you're going to take advice about STDs from someone, that Meredith would probably seem a likely choice. Certainly. And uh, 
<laughs> and that leads into our other plot, and that'll lead into the Andy plotline a little later, and we'll get to that uh, when the time comes. So there it is. Michael is shocked and disgusted and baffled by the fact that he has an STD. He uh, doesn't know exactly what he should do, but thank goodness that Dwight is there to hold his hand through this horrible thing. You need to contact Holly. You need to notify her that she is crawling with herpes. Okay, you know what? Might, might be crawling with herpes. <laughs> I might have gotten it after her. You need to contact every woman you've been with and notify them of your herpes infestation. It's the right thing to do. There's no way I'm going to do that. Then I will. All right. I'm now, I'm no doctor, but it seems to me that we all have an obligation to the public health to track down anyone who gives us a disease, inform them of it, and take overwhelming revenge on that person. Again, I'm no doctor. I'm just a normal guy who enjoys revenge. Now, I actually like that. That was a classic Dwight line. So as goofy as you want to say the cold open was, you got to love that, don't you? Absolutely. Great, great stuff there from Dwight. <laughs> and in this case, servicing the plot as well. So, <laughs> Yep, for the public good. I'm glad he's such a you know, like-minded citizen there that he's, he's looking out for the rest of us. I think that, uh, you know, again, kind of funny. Both of us were laughing there with the, uh, she's crawling with herpes. Might <laughs> no, be crawling. Might be crawling with herpes. <laughs> and then Dwight says, you know, that you're infested. or uses all these horrible, terrible words. So guilt, as I said in the intro, uh, Michael is guilt-tripped there into calling these women and, and finding out the details. Now, the first one he calls is Donna. Right, and uh, I don't have the clip there. Of course, that was his last, last girlfriend. Um, and it's kind of funny. He says, "You know, I'm hoping that it was you, so that I don't have to make a bunch of crappy, awkward conversations." <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but of course, it's not. And there's some kind of stupid Michael business there, where he says, "You know, I have some disease, and I can't <laughs> say it, so I'm going to spell it out." H. With, with, it's a, it's I. a disease with no 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 yeah. known, known cure. H I. <laughs> Arm. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, and, and so of course we're thinking it's HIV, and of course no, it's just Michael's an idiot. Did your did your stupid husband have it, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff? So she says no, no, it's terrible. Uh, he pretty much just hangs up on her. Then once are you t- are you telling me I have to get tested? Yes, goodbye. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he does that quite a uh, quite a few times during the episode. Where he just sort of drops the bomb there and then quickly exits <laughs> the scene so i mean that was kind of amusing we we only get amy peets via the phone didn't get to see her uh on the show yep alas um and then after the first initial one is over he decides to call the love of his life good old holly do you ever wonder what life would have been like if you hadn't been transferred we would have twins I don't think we'd have kids. Mm-hmm. Maybe for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. We would be married. Michael, I've been dating AJ for a year and a half now. You do this, you know. You romanticize things. I don't romanticize. No. Michael, you cried at that tagline for a movie you made up. He had no arms or legs. He couldn't see, hear, or speak. This is how we led a nation. You made us out to be more than we were. Maybe we were more than we were. I don't know what you're getting so upset about. We had a fun fling a long time ago. It's a good memory. Okay, all right. I gotta go. Michael? He forgot to mention the herpes. It didn't come up organically. 
So that's kind of a little maybe inside baseball kind of line there in the writer's room, you know, didn't come up organically. We, we said that, I fact, in fact, I think last week about Andy's uh, ending song that it wasn't organic to the plot uh-huh. line there. So it was kind of a funny little dig. Uh, and during that whole conversation, there's some funny physical stuff, Dwight sitting there like rubbing his lip, right. like pointing to it and mouthing, you know, the herpes and all this kind of stuff. So pretty funny. Yep, no, it was good. I mean, and it, I, they set it up pretty well that, that she basically pushed back on him right away, uh, but did it in a kind way at least. But so, again, I think this was set up well for the way things sort of turned out at the end for Michael. Yeah, and it, it, I, like we said, it seemed in the season finale last year, we get that whole thing with Joe about, oh, I'll see what I can do about transferring Holly. We sort of mm-hmm. expected that something was going to happen, and then here we are four episodes in with her saying basically that it was a fun couple of week fling and nothing's going to come of it. So, I, you know, as we said before, how on earth, if they are going to get together, how on earth is this going to happen? Well, it seems pretty obvious, right? <laughs> You're going to bring her back to the uh, Scranton branch, and AJ will be out of sight and out of mind, and bada bing, bada boom. Yeah, Michael's but, back in her pants. So what, they're going to force her again to move to the Scranton branch? <laughs> hey, if they can contrive a storyline where he has to go back and visit all his ex-girlfriends in one episode, <laughs> you don't think that they can contrive a storyline that has Toby out of the office and they need Holly to come over and save the day for some crisis? Well, I mean, I can see it. I, I can't see her accepting some kind of permanent forced move from our dear friend Joe. Certainly would seem quite uh, something that would be very hostile. Maybe they're closing that branch? Well, yeah, I mean, that could be, I guess. Well, after Holly, of course, who is the next biggest woman in Michael's life? Well, it can be none other than our friend Jan Levinson. And as we already said, they go to uh, a local hospital where it seems like Jan has really found herself. How do I do it? Raise my daughter, work as director of office purchasing for this hospital, and release an album of Doris Day covers on my own label? If I knew, I'd tell you. It's nice to see you doing so well. Yeah, I'm really happy. Me and Astrid against the world, <laughs> and we're loving it. Yeah, so kind of a super mom. Bringing on the bacon. Yeah. Right up in a pan. Never, never, never let you forget your man. <laughs> Love that commercial. I don't understand the reference. Well, Michael, it was nice to get your call. We had to come over right away. It's urgent. Okay. Oh. Michael has something to tell you. Are you going to keep me in suspense? <sighs> Would you excuse me? I can. Us? I'm going to head out of here. I know you have a lot to talk about. Okay. Is there a, an operating theater that's open to visitors? Never mind. I'll find it. He hasn't changed. No. <laughs> and it's kind of funny, that line there, that Michael realizes that he is maybe sort of changing, and he's in that mode of growth this season while old Dwight is uh, still the same old crazy guy he always was. Yeah, the operating theater thing was a little jokey. You know, they used that in uh, Seinfeld with yeah. Kramer. Don't and get the so junior mints. It, it's sort of I, I, don't, I can't, I wouldn't want to say that no one can ever joke about an operating theater ever again because that was a famous episode but <laughs> it does seem like you're you know yeah, like I said, as, as long as he doesn't have a refreshing mint candy in his hand, I think yep. I think we can let it slide. I 
I don't know. I, think- I, I, I really like that scene. It, just the, the awkwardness coming together. And, I, I, you know, the, we'll talk about it in the next scene coming up. Um, just the whole Michael cannot just go in and do the right adult thing. He's got to joke around or he's got to hem and haw and Dwight's trying to push him. And so finally, um, the good news is that I think Jan's up for a conversation. So it's exactly <laughs> what Michael needs. And then uh, the other thing, and we put a, a link out on the uh, That's What She Said Twitter feed. If you didn't understand the reference for the song there, uh, it's a commercial from the late 70s. And you can uh, click on that link and watch the commercial. Yeah, Kevin, old guys like us that grew up during that time uh, certainly get the reference there for, uh, what was that, Anjali perfume? Anjali, yes. Um, and very famous. For the 24-hour woman. <laughs> So yeah, very very famous uh, commercial from that time period. Dwight apparently during the seventies was too much involved in either looking at seed catalogs or working hard on the beet <laughs> farm, I guess, to watch television. Uh, but uh, but there you go. And, and yeah, it's kind of funny. It's sort of weird that Jan jumps on board right away with this. That Michael, you know, oh, you're looking for a post mortem of our relationship. You want to talk it over where it went wrong? Okay, let's go. Uh, she seems, you know, she seems really into that whole thing, which, I don't know, maybe it's kind of funny or, or not. There was a deleted scene way back from Stress Relief in Season 5 where uh, during the whole roast of Michael Scott that Jan called in and really, really nailed into him and said that he was responsible for destroying her life and all this kind of stuff, so... It's, uh, I would almost have expected her to be much more vindictive or much more mean to him than she was there. She seemed really kind of uh, laid back about the whole thing. Maybe it's just the time has passed and, and she's kind of, you know, found herself and everything now, but it, it seemed a little too amicable. Well, I, I'm sure that she's had plenty of therapy <laughs> and the fact that she was the one who caused much of the destruction in that relationship, I'm sure came out. So yeah, I can only assume that that's part of where her, you know, that she's not going to jump on him because she was the one who had the baby outside the relationship and all the rest of that. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Let's go ahead and get into the next clip there. As they're sitting there, then Jan and Michael are talking about everything. So Michael keeps, you know, Michael keeps romanticizing their relationship, and uh, Jan has to kind of throw the cold water on the whole thing. No, in the beginning, we were not good. Well, there was a bit of a learning curve in the conversation department, but between the sheets... We were like Jordan and Pippin. Well, if there's anything exciting about it, it was because we both knew it was wrong. Because we worked together. No? Okay. Imagine there's a princess who falls for a guy beneath her station, and the queen doesn't like this at all. And the princess knows that the queen doesn't like it, and so it makes her want to do it all the more just to get at the queen. Am I the princess? No, I'm the princess. And the queen. Okay, so I'm the guy at the station. I used to think that she was the one. Or at least a the one. And if I called that one so wrong. <laughs> I like that. At least A, the one. <laughs> right. <laughs> a good little insight to Jan's head there, the princess and the queen. I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, that is true. And that was a pretty good setup of their relationship. And as we said, maybe she's gone through it all and she's above it and she's worked out all her issues. So nothing really more to say other than the fact that they didn't work and they never did. And it's kind of funny that Michael here is sort of romanticizing this because even at the end of their relationship, he was 
he knew it was horrible. You know, he knew that it was a terrible relationship. You look back at like uh, women's appreciation, that whole thing where yes. he called up uh, and told her that it was over and that, you know, he couldn't do it anymore. And she made him dress up in schoolgirl outfits and all those kinds of things. You know, there was that line sort of when he and Holly were kind of splitting up where he talked about how he was going to go back with Jan and how he hates Jan. <laughs> right. Uh, so, you, you know, you, you think he, he should be self-aware enough to know that this was not a good relationship. But uh, that's sort of the plot that we've gotten onto. And it is kind of interesting, I guess, how it first sort of starts out as this weird kind of you have to notify them of your herpes. But, uh, but then does become kind of a high-fidelity sort of quest to find out why all of his relationships have failed. Yep. So after Michael gets done talking to Jan and he has that self kind of discovery moment where he realizes that, yeah, she's crazy. We talked about that little assy comes running in uh, and Jan sings her this crazy song about what did you do in school? Did you play with blocks? Did you blah, blah, blah. And uh, (laughs) Michael kind of, you know, Oh my God, what the hell is wrong with this woman? Like uh, the most of us are. And realizes that he kind of dodged the bullet. His his judgment is is way off, and that leads to their next trip to go kind of check out and talk to Pam's mother, the dear Helene from last season. And uh, while they're driving in the car, I thought this is actually one of the funniest little bits in the show. Next up is Helene. You're going to want to make a left on Willow, which is a little ways away. Uh, I'll remind you. You know, I don't know if I trust Jan's judgment. She. Jan knows paper. No, not paper. Relationships. To have the ability to point out if a man is making a bigger deal out of something than is really there. Wait, what Holly said? Yes. I don't think... Forget it, Michael. Today is about herpes. I know. (laughs) Okay, who gave it to you? Who has it? Right. And who is going to pay? Okay. Answer your question about Jan. No, Jan is insane. Why do you think I... Left! Willow now! All right! God! Uh, the two of them back in action together. I don't know. I, I, they haven't been on a good road trip in a while, so I, I did enjoy those particular scenes. I like Dwight talking about, no, Jan, yeah, no, she's insane. Uh, all that kind of stuff. So even if, if Dwight can see that someone is insane, you know that you're pretty far over the deep end. I suppose that is true, yes. <laughs> well, we talked about this already. I cut out that scene, probably my least favorite scene in the show, where Michael is apparently such a moron that he can't remember the face of a woman that he dated six months ago, uh, uh-huh. mistakes this old granny for Helene, uh, then turns around, of course, she's sitting there babysitting little Cece, and they have a conversation, a much more hostile conversation, which kind of makes sense, because this is still kind of a raw relationship. Michael dumped her for being too old and all that kind of stuff, so she mm-hmm. kind of deservedly tears him a new asshole and uh kind of funny as he's leaving he gives her one of these jerk (laughs) (laughs) which was a nice capper on that scene so yeah you know he he wanders off kind of pissed off to go back to find out his or to go back and track down uh mystery woman the last here that we haven't seen before dear old carol of course, uh, as we remember her last scene in season three's Benny Hanna Christmas, uh, we had her in Diwali, of course, where you had her dressing up like a cheerleader, and a few other very memorable moments there for Dear Carol, who I should point out, I guess, if we haven't said this in a while, is uh, Steve Carell's real-life wife. That's right. Memorably seen in uh, Casino Night as well. 
You know, a lot of people have been talking about Jenna Fisher, looking like she's had some work done. Mm-hmm. Just saying. <laughs> what, Nancy Walls here? You thought I had a lot of work done? Just saying. Uh, well, well, okay, so Michael goes to confront Carol at one of her house showings. Of course, she was the realtor, which is how they met when, uh, uh, of course, Office Olympics there, Kevin. Another tie-in to your episode you're talking about before. Uh-huh. And uh, she kind of goes into some stuff about how, oh, Michael, you just happened to bump into me. You didn't call my office and say that you were my ex-lover <laughs> looking for me and all this kind of stuff. And he denies it. But no, that sounds like a nice guy. Weird, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that just kind of leaves their last conversation here where she pretty much goes over the same things all the other women have said so far. Michael, why are you here? Somebody told me that I romanticize relationships. You know, we all do that. I have herpes. Did you have that while we were together? I just found out today. Oh, wait, oh. that's what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Did you have a doctor check it out? I'm between specialists right now. Yes, Michael. Actually, you do make a bigger deal out of things than you need to. You proposed to me on our fourth date. Well, I believe in love at first sight. Well, so do I, but we didn't love each other at first either. I don't know what you were thinking. I know what I was thinking at the time, but right now it just seems ridiculous. Excuse me. Someone died in the upstairs bathroom, didn't they? Okay. No. <laughs> another another classic Dwight Capper. <laughs> Good way to cut the tension, that's for sure. And I did like this scene there with Michael. I, you know, I don't know. I know what I was thinking, but now it just seems ridiculous. That was a really good way to sort of cap off this whole journey for him um, in the way that it built up to the final call to colleagues. So, yeah, very well constructed in that respect. Exactly. And so he comes back to the office to make that last call to Holly because he didn't tell her about the herpes so he needs to get that out of the way and uh, at first after going through all these other women and all these other conversations he's you know he's ready to throw in the towel Hi Holly it's Michael I just wanted to call and let you know that I was thinking about what you said it's weird today I ended up seeing a lot of the women that I used to date and in my mind they were all great and then when I actually saw them it was mostly a freak show and you and me, that must have been a real train wreck. You know what? Holly, you're wrong. I remember every second of us. And talking to you today, I don't feel for them anything like what I feel for you. I didn't joke with any of them. I joked with you. You were the only one who was actually happy to hear from me. And I don't know why you downgraded what we had, but I did not make us up. Okay. Oh, and you might, you should talk to a doctor because you might have herpes. Bye. So that was a pretty, as far as we talked about big laughs, that was a pretty good laugh line right there with the, oh, yeah, by the way, you might have herpes. Go get yeah, it checked absolutely. Out. Well, and the funny thing is, is we, we were so used at the end of the episode of this sort of uh, voiceover from Michael talking about what's happened in the episode, usually over some sort of clip montage or something like that. And it's this, it's the same style here, but the fact that he's actually talking to somebody else and then uh, he's talking sort of in the third person like he normally does and then turns it into a personal call there at the end with to, you know, directing it to Holly. So, again, maybe not the funniest episode, but I did like the little twist here of the kind of convention for the 
uh, show. Yeah, it was a good, a, a good heartfelt speech as well. I think that's, you know, we like those emotional moments there in the relationship to get us to, to root for these crazy kids to get together. So good little speech. Michael's not giving up, and uh, we'll see what happens, I guess. All that leaves us with in the Michael plotline then is, as you said, the capper <laughs> after the commercial with Oscar. There is only one more lover left to interrogate. What is this about? Oscar, we once sucked face in public as part of an office presentation to destroy the stigma about gay kissing. Do you recall? Yes. You may have given me a sexually transmitted disease. What? Herpes duplex. It's probably just an ingrown mustache hair, but we have to be exhaustive. I've already contacted all of my ex-lovers except for you. (laughs) We were never lovers. I'm going to need a list of every man you've ever had sex with. I'm talking train stations, men's rooms... Flower shops, firework celebrations... Fence with a hole in it. Moonlit gondola. <laughs> carriage ride through Central Park. The woods behind the liquor store. The swamp behind the old folks' home. Electric car dealership. The Democratic primary. Oscar, think of... Think. <laughs> so what more can you really say? You know, like I said, there's Michael with these sort of romantical things. Dwight with the down and dirty nitty gritty. <laughs> <laughs> the swamp behind the old folks' home. <laughs> Oh, I love that scene. Big gay cruising area in Scranton. So that just leaves us with the Andy plot line. And as we kind of talked about at the beginning of the show, Andy dejected, uh, not getting any air in action from his play. None of his big plans have been working out. So what does he need here? Yet another crazy big gesture that he thinks is somehow going to impress her and, and win her over. And what we get here in this scene, we kind of already talked about it. Meredith at the beginning of the Michael clip admits that she has herpes. Um, we get into then a, a little break room scene where Kelly's kind of trashing her. Um, as you said, Angela, she gets up when Meredith walks in and then walks out and then she Holds sort her of, breath. Yeah, lets her breath out. <laughs> It's pretty funny. I mean, it's kind of like you said, classic Angela bitch maneuver. So it's kind of funny to see that again. Uh, and everyone's kind of talking shit about Meredith. Um, and I'm not really sure what motivates Andy there. He, I guess he kind of looks over and, and Aaron's sort of watching yes. the, the scene while she's sitting at Gabe's desk. And so he speaks up about this. Oh, hey, come on. I expect better of us. All this kind of stuff. Um and she kind of gave, was, was giving him a little bit of a smile for sort of standing up and trying to do the right thing. So I think that sort of got the ball rolling for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, maybe, maybe it was a little far-fetched as far as going this crazy to, uh, to set this all up. But, you know, I guess you'll do whatever you can do to try to win that lady love. And Andy, at first, no one is paying attention to him, but he decides to hit everyone where they hurt, especially Kevin Right in their stomachs. <laughs> Hot pizza, check it and see. I got a whole bunch of pepperoni. Yeah, now you're looking at me. Anyone who's interested in entering into an honest discussion about the sexual mores and taboos of modern society will be rewarded with a pizza break. So guys, I've been really bothered by the way certain people are getting treated around here. And I just think as an office, we're better than that. Okay. Now, I'm going to show you a picture of genitalia. Oh. oh Andy. Was it because he's black? Nope. It's because it's genitalia? 
perfectly normal genitalia tuna. <coughs> now, I'm going to show you another picture of perfectly normal genitalia. Oh, oh my God. Am I blocking anybody? Can everybody see? Hey. Perfectly normal. Oh my God. Big deal. Yeah, sure. It's got some herpes on it. But you know what? It's just as normal as anyone else's. Uh, Andy there with his <laughs> weird, like, uh, black porn star guy's junk <laughs> picture <laughs> that he's holding up there. It's kind of sad that, I, you know, I guess that's the joke, that they're all blurred out so we don't actually get to see what uh, what's in the horribly disgusting picture there that he shows the second time around. But, you know, horrible enough, I guess. Hey, what did you think of that scene, the earlier scene that you, you didn't have the clip for, where he stands up and asks for attention and Phyllis <laughs> and everyone start bragging on him for always standing up and doing that? Or, did, you, did you find that funny? It's the World Cup. Come on. Yeah, I, I actually have it as one of my clips, but it, we were running a little bit long, so I, I took that one out. I, I didn't right. think it was funny. Well, I didn't think it was great and it wasn't pleasant, but... It was nice, in a way, to see that Phyllis and Oscar and Stanley ragging on someone else besides, you know, Jim and Pam or Michael or somebody for well, once. Yeah, there you go again. See, Andy's taking over the role of the, the boss uh, that everyone rags on. No, I don't go. know. I thought, I thought that was an amusing scene. Uh, yeah. Andy then, in the conference room, he tries to keep everything going. He, like Michael does, and this is the thing, I mean, this is such a Michael-esque scene in earlier seasons, this would have been Michael doing mm-hmm. this in the conference room where he's got the whiteboard and he's trying to make a list and he's trying to teach something he has no knowledge about <laughs> whatsoever. And he lets the people in the office kind of bully him into his discussion. Really, Aaron does seem to be the only one who's really trying to participate here. Uh, got the whiteboard out. Let's, let's get some of the negatives about sex. And Kevin, oh, it feels awesome. <laughs> You know, and then, it, oh, it feels incredible. Oh, isn't that just like feeling awesome? No, it's different. Okay, well, <laughs> I'll put that one up there. And, and uh, you know, everyone is kind of going off of Phyllis, but, oh, physical love is so delightful. And then you get Angela rolling her eyes and making yep. noises again. And, uh, you know, it's pretty disgusting. And then Creed, of course, offers up his own little brand there of uh, wisdom. The feeling of pure risk. Creed, I had that in the cons column, mm-hmm. but it's thrilling. Okay. Um, then we'll move that. Thrill of risk. Andy, aren't there also negatives to sex? Yes. Thank you. Such as? Unplanned pregnancy. Yes, unplanned pregnancy. Like Jim and Pam, what? Hey, just admit that your baby was a mistake. Hey, Whoa. hey, hey, our baby was not a mistake. She was a surprise. Good. I'm sure they don't regret having that child. Let's move it to the pros. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. Unplanned pregnancy. Going in the pros column. <laughs> <laughs> and that was probably the funniest line. And I got to say, I'm not a huge Kelly fan, but uh, I did laugh out loud at that. Like Jim and Pam. What? <laughs> right. No, it was, a good, it, was, it was a good little interplay there. I, I thought Jenna Fisher did a really good job with that one line that she had. This episode, and uh, of course, Daryl there, you know, sort of very uh, passive aggressively trying to twist things around, and so that, I thought that was good too. Yeah, and Andy just spinelessness there with that. Okay, unplanned pregnancy in the plus column, <laughs> classic capper. There only just leaves a little bit more here. Andy keeps getting more and more and more and more frustrated 
with the fact that it's not going quite the way that he wants. Uh, he brings up some lines about, you know, what's the safest form of sex. They guess condoms. He says, no, it's abstinence. Daryl kind of gives him some shit about that. Um, and Andy... <laughs> well, and he's mad because he's saying, is anyone else, perf- you know, doing abstinence? And he's expecting Erin to raise her hand, and she doesn't. Right. So now he's all <laughs> pissed off that he, she must be having sex with Gabe. As you said, he leaves, you know, he leaves it wide open for her to come out and admit it, but she won't, and so he's very upset. So, well, I, I guess I better just get into the condoms, and I don't know. So I'll, I'll let the clip play out for itself. I just thought I'd bring it up in case someone here was practicing abstinence. That's all. Anybody? Andy, that's way too personal of a question. Well, someone could answer it if they wanted to. Okay, in that case, uh, I will now show you how to put this condom on using (laughs) this pencil. Oh, God. Why would you choose a pencil, Andy? Well, I'm not going to use my penis, Oscar. It's not exactly hard right now anyway. Come on. Give it a rest pencil, I'm doing this for you, Meredith. I didn't want it. Well, did you? Why? Didn't? Because no one appreciate what I'm doing right now. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, some pretty funny stuff, and everyone in the office laughing at Andy. <laughs> and that weird-ass line that, what am I going to use my penis? It's not exactly hard right now. <laughs> that was, like, the creepiest thing ever. Yes. <laughs> Oh, man. So, yeah, Andy finally explodes. They're throwing the pizza against the wall. Yeah, you know, we really got to see a couple, a lot of old characters we haven't seen in a long time. We had Jan and we had Holly and we had Angry Andy. So, yeah, it was great. (laughs) Yeah, maybe Angry Andy will, that'll be, it'll be like in the back, you know, Back to the Future where he has to, (laughs) he has to punch out Gabe or something at the uh, (laughs) Enchantment Under the Sea dance before it's too late. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> uh, good good lord alright well so that fails very upset and Andy kind of then later on goes back to talk to Gabe kind of about what's happening and, and Gabe's sort of here playing that Toby role where again we don't really know what he's doing but he's kind of stepping in and, and doing these sort of HR kinds of things but uh, you know Gabe takes Andy by surprise by calling him out I don't know I mean people were being really mean to Meredith? Well, this wasn't really about Meredith, was it? You and Aaron were broken up. How is that relevant to anything? I asked you if it was okay if I asked her out. You said, and I quote, My good sir, nothing would make me happier than to hand you the hand of the hand once in my hand. I specifically remembered it because you said it in such a weird way. <laughs> the only reason I said that is because you asked me so politely. and It was very difficult for me to say no. I'll let this slide. But I expect you to put this whole Aaron thing behind you. So that's, you know, as we said, I mean, it's kind of mixing this weird business and personal life stuff going on here. So I'll let it slide. I'll let the anger thing slide. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it all ties back into Aaron and all this kind of inappropriate stuff that's going on here. So I, I guess you got to wonder, I mean, is Gabe maybe going to get busted by corporates over this or you know something's going to come to a head to kind of well i mean he's he's a cast member now so i don't think he's going to get taken out of the picture but um you know something's got to happen i i damned if i know what it's going to be it'd be nice if it was uh it, it became a plot point for later so yes all right so that just leaves really andy is devastated he's called out 
Aaron doesn't want him. Gabe knows what he's up to. And he has no one else to turn to but our dear old friend, Daryl Philbin. We should schedule meetings because the days can slip away with chit-chat. Are you crying? No, I'm just sweating. I don't know what's got you upset, but my advice is stop crying. I'm not crying. I'm just sweating. Look, you need to pick yourself up. Man up. I. So you will win this in the end. It's all about heart and character. Be your best self. Okay. Yeah. I have no idea what his problem is. It's just my standard advice. It's good advice, right? <laughs> so we talked. You know, we talked. Daryl's Daryl's winning me over. So again, another good Daryl scene this week. Uh, pretty funny stuff. He like, doesn't really give a shit about Andy. Don't know what's going on, but gives him the pat advice. And, you know, Andy's bucked up. So I guess we're going to see him continue on his quest. Yeah, it was. Daryl seemed very happy with the fact that he could give us good advice. So, yeah, it was nice. <laughs> yeah, the one thing that he has. A little bit more of a smart ass Daryl this episode instead of the, you know, feminine. Nice guy, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. And I guess it's okay if he. For some reason, it doesn't bother me that he messes with Andy, but I, I, I like that he doesn't mess with Michael anymore. So let's go ahead and get into the deleted scenes then. There's, there's just two of them. And as I said, the first one, I'm just, I don't even understand what they were thinking with this scene, why on earth this was even in the show at all. And the second one, I uh, kind of wish they would have fit that in there somewhere. God. I hate you, stupid jar. Worst day of my life. Oh, Jim, Jim. I'm sorry, would you please open this jar for me? I can't get it open. Sure. Thanks. It's hard, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, and while I have you, I might as well run this by you anyway. Oh, you know boy. Ryan, right? Sure. Well, I know he's capable of love, but mm-hmm. I don't know if he's capable of true love, you know? Let's just open this thing up, get you on your way. Ryan said to me that if he was stuck in heaven and I was in hell, mm-hmm. that he wouldn't come with me. And live in hell. Why would he say that? I didn't even ask him. <coughs> I have no idea. You sure you just don't want some peanut butter? Or... I had that yesterday. Peanut butter and jelly. I really had my heart set on fluff. God, I don't know what I'm going to do about this Ryan thing. You're just going to hand it back to me? Holly brings out a sense of childlike wonder in Michael. I don't like it. Childlike wonder leads to a childlike grave. <laughs> Winnipeg Sheridan. Concierge, please. Hold, please. Okay, we're going to see Jan first, then Carol, then Helene. We've already called Donna and Holly. Have we left anyone off this list? That's it. Over six years? No. There are other women, but I am going to do a mass email. These are the women that I wanted to talk to in person. Mm-hmm. I had more sex in high school. Okay, you know what? I'm sorry that I was so busy in high school maintaining a B average and appearing in plays. Okay. This is an incredible day, Michael. Contacting all your old lovers, all your exes, every woman that your penis has touched. It'd be fun to get them all together. No, we should do that. Maybe for the holidays. If we have time today, we'll call Holly back. No, I don't want to talk to her. She lied straight to my face, got all New Hampshire on me. Concierge desk, how may I help you? By going to the doctor and getting tested for herpes. Done. Obviously, that wasn't concierge Maria. At least it didn't sound like so. Just a <laughs> kind of kooky little plot thing there. And it's kind of funny, too, if you look at that clip that they sort of rearranged the scenes 
Uh, Dwight said that they would go see Carol before Helene, but they didn't play it that way. Oh, right, yeah. The edited episode. I don't know. I I really like that second clip. I wish they would have had that fit in there. The sad thing is, Kevin, that Michael's gotten a lot more action than I have the last six years. So, Well, uh, yeah, okay. So (laughs) you're right. That first clip was pretty weird with Jim and Kelly. Maybe that was the cold open that they got rid of to go for the more jokey wasp nest or the bees nest or whatever. Yeah. Which then in itself was not that funny. It is really weird because it doesn't seem to have anything to do with anything. Um, and it's even weirder because Pam's just sort of like sitting there kind of smirking while this is going on. And it just, it doesn't make any sense. Maybe there's another deleted scene or something else that kind of built on that as like a C plot or something. Nah, it's but, a cold open. Nah, well, whatever it was is definitely not, not very amusing. So that was a good, good cut. Definitely. All right, well, before we get into the news, let's talk a little bit about our sponsors. If you'd like to help sponsor That's What She Said, there's a couple different ways you can do it. One really good way you can do it is to buy really anything at all through our Amazon link on the TWSS blog. On the TWSSpodcast.com blog page that, you know, a lot of times a lot of people have already signed up for these services and other things, but, you know, hey, you're looking for a new computer, you're looking for a new TV, you're going to buy a few books or whatever, click on our link and we can get a few percentage points of that purchase back. Won't even cost you a dime. Don't have to worry about canceling or any other kind of program or whatever. So that is the number one best way you can help us. And if you still haven't picked up that season six DVD set, uh, why not get one today? Christmas is almost upon us. Time to stock up. We're also sponsored this week by Audible.com. Audible is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, providing digital versions of tens of thousands of audiobooks for download to your computer or other portable device. If you go to audiblepodcast.com slash she said, you can get a free one-credit audiobook download when you sign up today. It allows you to listen to these audiobooks wherever and wherever you want, just like the podcast you're listening to right now. And they have over 75,000 titles to choose from in many, many genres. So you can get your free two-week trial when you sign up today. Yep. Now, Matt, I do have a pick this week. Very timely for this week's episode. Can't wait. As I always like to do, The Secret Life of Bees <laughs> by Sumont Kidd. Narrated right. by Jenna Lamia. This is a very heartwarming tale that has nothing to do with migrant workers, but I hear is very popular among the ladies. So. All right. Well, I don't know if you've actually read that, Kevin. You usually get crap from people for your fakey picks. So let me give a real, <laughs> a real book pick. I just today finished reading the 16th Harry Bosch mystery by Michael Connolly called the reversal, and I'm a bit of a mystery reading kind of guy. I like the detective stories and uh, Connolly's books. Really, really good reads. Now, this wasn't necessarily my favorite book of the 16, but hell, you got a ton of them to pick from. Audible has pretty much all of them, but you can check out the reversal right now if you would like with your audiobook download credit. Now, also keep in mind that you can get uh, Audible content on any of your mobile devices these days, on iPod, Android phone, BlackBerry. I think that you can even order stuff in-app now and download it. Uh, so not, really no excuse. If you like 
audio content, if you're just finding that you're not reading enough, if you're not as big of a nerd as I am and don't have five hours on a Sunday to sit there and read through a book, um, what better way to consume the content than by listening? Most of you people out there, office drones that you are, a lot of free time to fill. So definitely check it out if you can. And remember, go to audible.com. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash she said and get that free audiobook credit download today. Uh, any messages? Yeah, just a fax. Oh, and this is from corporate. How many times have I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate? You have to. Call the waste paper basket. <laughs> Did we get a fax this morning? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the one. Why well, didn't, uh, want to get it? You put it in the garbage can that was a special filing cabinet. Yeah, uh, that was a joke. All right, well, Comedy Central has once again joined forces with Jon Stewart's production company for its third biennial special event, Night of Too Many Stars, an overlooked concert for autism education. Performers raising money to help ease the severe shortage of effective schools and education programs for autistic children and adults. And the people that are going to be involved in the program include Louis Black, our dear old Steve Carell, Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Fallon, Tina Fey, Ricky Gervais, Joel McHale, Chris Rock, Sarah Silverman, and many more still to be announced. So what a powerhouse lineup of comedy greats. Kevin, this year's events will premiere. This year's event will premiere on Comedy Central on Thursday, October 21st at 9 p.m. Eastern. Since 2005, the Night of Too Many Stars has raised close to $7 million. And according to reports from the taping, Carell shines in several standout scenes. So definitely check it out if you're a Steve Carell fan. And if you aren't a Steve Carell fan, why the hell are you listening to an Office podcast? (laughs) Yeah, no, I, apparently he is really killer in this uh, uh, this uh, special, so definitely worth checking out. Obviously, you're going to have to get your DVRs ready or something since this will overlap the next episode of The Office. But nope. Office Tour proves engaging for two fans. It was 2005 when Tom Evans and Tammy Liu, a pair of students at Austin College in Sherman, Texas, began their courtship. That was the same year that NBC premiered The Office, this sitcom about everyday workday life in faraway Scranton. But this soon became one of the couple's favorite TV shows, and they they made a point to watch it every week together. When the time came for Mr. Evans to pop the question, the Electric City seemed as good a place as any to do it. So, on this past week, uh, he used the picturesque scenery of Lake Scranton as the backdrop for his proposal. Thankfully, she said yes, and given that 50 other people were on hand for the moment, it seems that Evans and Lou were uh, with others taking part of this month's The Office fan tour, which gives the show's diehard fans, most of them out-of-towners, the chance to see some of the many places that have been mentioned on the NBC series. So I guess those Office convention fans, you know, those people are still turning out the uh, what the tickets are forty five dollars a person, so they're making some bank on those office reality tours. Yeah, and uh, congratulations to the happy couple. <laughs> well, if you can't get enough of our brilliant insights, follow Kevin and myself on Twitter. That's twitter dot com slash summer matt and twitter dot com slash Kevin Crossman. These are our personal accounts, not dedicated. That's what she said. Feeds, but go ahead and follow us if you're so inclined and you want to know about 
uh, Kevin's giant baseball watching or my video game playing or other nerdly events. If you just want to know what's going on with that, what she said, and when the new episodes are available, you can follow twitter.com slash TWSS podcast. Of course, there are a ton of office folk on Twitter, and if you don't have them individually in your feeds, you can go to NBC.com slash The Office to see them all collected there together. All right, the next new episode is called The Sting, directed by Randall Einhorn and written by Mindy Kaling. This will air on October 21st, 2010. When a Dunder Mifflin client is stolen by a rival salesman named Danny, played by Timothy Oliphant, Michael, Dwight, and Jim decide to set up a sting in order to uncover his sales secret. Elsewhere, Andy starts a band when he learns that one of his old college friends has a successful music career. Well, we alluded to this uh, plotline a few months back there with uh, Timothy Oliphant guesting. Um, I was a, I've become a big fan of his with that FX series Justified, so I'm... Interested to see how he fares here in a comedy, and hopefully he's going to play it more of a straight man, I'm assuming. Not a, not a big laugh getter, but, uh, but we'll see. An interesting kind of plot. We, we also said that the, the plot is further complicated by the fact that this Danny guy and Pam supposedly mm-hmm. dated during uh, that uh, period there where, where she and Jim were separated from each other in previous seasons, so... Ah, where will that lead? I guess only Mindy Kaling knows for sure. There are certain things a boss does not share with his employees. His salary, his bed, and I am not going to tell them that I'll be reading their emails. I gotta erase a lot of stuff. Just so you know, if you have any sensitive emails, they need to be deleted immediately. I know. A lot of stuff. All right, a little bit of feedback on that. So she said, episode 100, Andy's play. Um, I think it's a good uh, good coincidence that this week's episode is titled Sex Ed because this is quite the stroke job, Kevin. <laughs> well, Tyrone wrote in and said, I just want to say the podcast has raised its level as much as the show has, and I could no longer imagine my week without it. I think the best part of this season so far is that each person is getting a moment to shine as they slightly move all the plots away from Michael and or Jim and Pam. So I definitely agree. Our podcast is an integral part of everyone's week. Absolutely. We've raised our (laughs) level. Well, let's get back into some feedback for Sex Ed. We had a couple interesting tweets. First up, Luke Polaris tweeted, The run of good episodes has ended here. But Brother Darkness tweeted to us, I don't know, I thought Daryl's advice was pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, we, we found some things to like about it. I know I talked to a few other people. Um, I, I also had someone else kind of tweet me saying something like, I don't even have to ask what you thought about this episode. Uh, <laughs> assuming that I would dislike it, I guess. Uh, you know, pretty middle of the road, I guess, still for me. Not that laugh out loud funny, but as we said, a necessary plot mover and a few good moments in there, I guess. Well, Carter wrote in and said, overall, I liked this episode better than the first three. I enjoyed it more the second time around. Found myself feeling bad for Michael, which I can't recall ever doing. Some fans' wishes were answered when we saw Angry Andy, but I couldn't help feel sorry for that guy, too. Don't think it'd be a bad idea if he just moved on and did better than Aaron. 
She kind of deserves it, and we don't need another Jim and Pam type of buildup again. All the attention on Andy lately kind of makes me wonder, could he be the front runner to replace Michael? The whole conference room scene could easily be imagined as Andy having the role as manager there. So Carter, uh, very much in line with my thoughts about what's going on. Yeah, or maybe they just had that sex ed script sitting around for the past couple <laughs> seasons and just sort of said, well, you know, we've got to use it somewhere. Oh, wait, Michael's got herpes? This would be a perfect time to dust that off. Well, who should play the bumbling manager? Oh, let's get Andy to do it. Well, uh, you may be right, I guess. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm still putting my money on that right now. All right, well, Kathy wrote in, Matt, I usually agree with you about cold opens, but I loved this one. Did you say that you didn't love this cold open in the chat room or something? Um, I, I, I don't know. I guess I was. I, I didn't like it or dislike it. I was just kind of more baffled by it, I think, than anything. Although I have I come, like I said, I, I, I do kind of like this character. So we'll see. We'll see where he goes. All right. Well, Kathy continued. The whole office just standing there, waiting to see if the poor schmuck would pick up the right tool or die in the attempt so deliciously cold-blooded. <laughs> Overall, another great episode. They seem to be pulling out all the stops this season after basically sleeping on the job for the last two years. The Michael storyline was solid gold. The info on how Gabe stole Aaron was more ouch than funny, but very true to Andy's character. With any luck, soon the writers will let Poor Andy come out of the closet once and for all. Oh, and maybe he will fall for that gay warehouse guy, infuriate Oscar, and start yet another pointless workplace romantic triangle. That's yes. the best thing I've heard all day, I think. that's. Uh, I'm looking for that to happen. Now. All right, well, listener feedback of the week. Now, i got to warn you, this is a pretty massive, massive rant again, so let me try to do it justice. Uh, Rachel Lamont wrote in via email and said, Where is my office? I think it's been stolen by theater troops and YouTube cover band fame seekers. Seriously, did they get new writers some glee or something? What's with all this musical cold opens? I love The Office and I'm a big Andy fan, but for the love of all that is holy, I am seriously disappointed with this season so far. Between re-entering him into another love triangle and showing him succeed, well, kind of, in the play, they're showing substantial character growth and I want to see that work out. I enjoyed nepotism and loved counseling, except the Pam plotline. I don't want my heroine to be committing fraud. What's next? Her and Ryan starting a pyramid scheme through that stupid woof thing? But Andy's play was the tipping point. The rest of the episode had its moments, and I came away enjoying myself for the most part. But for me, the whole was less than the sum of its parts. I don't want to be a hater, but it seems like a cafe disco type episode, which is fine, but so early in the season. Are the writers trying to make the show more fun and carefree and less plot-heavy because it's Steve Carell's last season? I don't know. But between the lack of plots, the Dwight and Angela thing, very odd to see her in skinny jeans, she almost looked, dare I say it, normal. Where was the buttoned-up Angela Martin we love to hate? Which I'm not even going to get into. Aaron turning into a baby kidnapper, Michael a sour drunk, and Pam's downright fraud. I'm having some serious remorse over this episode. Let's hope that this week's episode sheds a better light on my beloved comedy. P.S. I normally like to think of myself as a nice person. So I'm sorry my first email, after years of listening to the podcast, has to be a scarcely coherent rant. Not that it's something you're not used to. Hope to talk to you on a more positive note soon well to just throw out there rachel i appreciate the giant rant but pam's whole 
fraud thing that was not from Andy's play. Well, in any case, she's she's incorporating the, the previous <laughs> episodes there a little bit, and uh, that's a pretty good rant, I have to say. Yeah, and I, I I can sort of see where you're coming from there, but we we kind of addressed that I think last week. To me, the Andy's play thing wasn't like Cafe Disco. Cafe Disco to me is just a pointless. Everyone, let's just sing. The lip dub thing was like Cafe Disco. Was yes, in that same vein. But I just I, I felt that the play really did serve a purpose and uh i don't know i enjoyed it so where is my office i i don't know kevin i think i've been saying that since casino night so it's been a while well i think we'll have to agree to disagree because i thought those other previous episodes were pretty awesome and even this episode a lot to like yep agreed well that's about gonna do it for us for this week you can join us in about a week or so for episode 102 the Sting. You know, I think I've heard that name used somewhere before. Please send any comments or constructive compliments to TWSSpodcast at gmail.com and visit the show blog page at TWSSpodcast.com. If you want to join us on Thursday nights to see what crazy Thursday Matt and Thursday Kevin have to say, you can join the That's What She Said chat room. Go to TWSSpodcast.com and hit that green chat now link. Now, this last week, Kevin, it kind of had some problems uh, on my end with the chat room, did you uh, did you get it to work? Everything was working fine in the West Coast. No, I don't know what happened, man. During our usage, I had to get an emergency chat room going there. So still had about 10, 12 people in there. But, uh, yeah, hopefully next week, no bumps. But just hit that green chat now button and you should be good to go. Hopefully music for the episode this week provided by Music Alley from Mavio. Check it out at musicalley.com. And remember, head on over to NBC.com slash The Office during the week for additional deleted scenes, interviews, episode recaps, cast blogs, and more. And speaking of which, they did just finally put up those other two phantom scenes from last week there if you want to check out scenes three and four that we alluded to. All right, well, mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's about going to do it for us this week. For Kevin Crossman, I'm Matt Summer, and we're out of here. Oh, did you have a clip or something that you were going to play? I guess you can't do that without Gizmo anymore. <laughs> That's right. Well, you want to send it to me? I don't know what you had. Did you make No, well, you oh. nixed my idea, and you didn't want to hear the bacon in the pan, so... No, you said, do you want to go Foreigner or Anjali? And I was like, I don't want to hear the bacon song, so oh, I thought you were going to pull were just, out the Foreigner. I thought you were just <laughs> shutting me down like normal. Oh, <laughs> poor baby. You're like the Andy Bernard of the podcast, Kevin. (laughs) Are you crying? (laughs) I'm sweating. Ah, well. Well, I guess we can fix that in post, or you can just leave that rambling. Yeah, leave the rambling. Ending in there. (laughs) All right. Yeah, but I hope the relationship goes smoother than your reading of that article, Kevin. Uh, Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, ouch, indeed. All right. (laughs)